This is Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care, where we have insightful conversations about parenting for bio, foster, adoptive, or blended families to better understand the experiences we all face as families. Hello, how are you today? Welcome to our listeners of the Fostering Conversations podcast. My name is Liz Rivera. I'm the Director of Education with Utah Foster Care, and I'm normally in the co-host seat, um, but today I get to be in the, the, the main host seat as Deborah Lindner is uh, away on, on a much-deserved holiday. And so I get to have the conversation today with Elizabeth Gerke, and she is with the Utah Department of Health. And we are, we've been uh, the last couple months trying to get this together, so we're so excited to have this conversation with her today and to talk about parenting adolescents and specifically parenting them um, with some information through a program called Teen Speak, which we'll talk about and in its availability to uh, parents, not just foster and adoptive parents, but all parents. So this is a, a really applicable uh, episode to, to all parents. So welcome, Elizabeth. We're, we're glad to have you here. Thank you so much, Liz. Thanks for having me. Before we get started in talking about parenting adolescents and, and the role of Teen Speak, I'd just like to hear a little bit more about you and um, maybe you know how long you've worked for the Department of Health and you know how you got into this field of public health and, and where you're from, that kind of just basic stuff that, that will help us know you a little bit better. Sure. Uh, so my name is Elizabeth Gerke. Like Liz said, I work for the Department of Health in our maternal child health group. Um, specifically with our family and youth health. So my specialty area is adolescence. Um, I have a, a long background working in um, education and public health with a variety of, of different ages. I've worked with kids of all ages, first starting out um, pre-K and then working with LED um, and now with adolescents. So I've kind of just worked up with age groups. And I have to say, um, I never thought I would love working with adolescents as much as I do. They are an amazing age group. So I love the work that I do with them. Um, we receive several um, federal and state grants um, to address adolescent health at uh, Department of Health and with our maternal child health programs. So I oversee some of those grants and, and programs that we have for adolescents and parents as well. We know parents are so important in um, promoting and um, supporting our adolescents in, in healthy, positive behaviors. Wonderful. And I think that's one thing we'll talk a little, a little bit about is the parent's role um, in supporting supporting their youth development. So the first question I want to ask is, so you're, you're, we're going to talk really specifically about parenting teens. How is parenting teens different from parenting younger ages of children? Sure. So for anyone with an adolescent um, or kind of moving into that adolescent phase, you know that it's kind of a wild roller coaster um, of emotions. Some days it can feel really fun and rewarding and other days you might feel really frustrated and confused. I think that's the case with, with a lot of different ages of kids, but certainly adolescence is, is very unique. Um, we know developmentally speaking at no other time except in the first years of life as humans do we go through so much change so quickly. And I think for parents of littles, right, the babies, infants, they're very well or, or better prepared maybe when they're expecting a baby. Um, so we have lots of baby books 
to read, you know, kind of what's, what to expect when you're expecting kind of books. We throw people baby showers. We get lots of congratulations and support from family or friends. Um, but that's not quite the same with adolescents. You know, you think about telling someone, oh, I'm having a baby or I have this new baby. And people are like, oh, you know, babies are so cute. And oh, ooh, ah. Uh, babies. And then you tell someone, oh, I have an adolescent and what's their response, right? Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Good luck with that. Um, so I think just that view that we have of teens and behaviors um, can shape the way that we respond to them, that we talk to them. And that can leave both us as parents or caregivers, trusted adults feeling frustrated and, and also leaving our teens feeling frustrated in our relationships and our conversations. I think it's interesting. Well, two things, just one thing that I thought of was that wouldn't it be kind of cool if we did teen showers? So like your child right. is turning 13 and we throw the parents a party and give them all the things they're going to need for, for teenagers, which, you know, one of the things would be the teen speak book, which we're going to talk about. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, this idea too, that I, I, I find it fascinating that all of us adults, parents, we were teenagers once, but we seem to have totally forgotten uh, what it was like to be a teenager. And like you said, so there's that disconnect um, when we don't understand them and then they're frustrated because it, we're not, they're not understood. And I wonder, I always wonder what that mechanism is that we've forgotten so much about what it was like to be a teenager. Yeah, I think we forget very quickly. And I think the other thing is even for someone who was a teen, you know, 10 years ago, um, our world is changing so quickly and so rapidly. I think even the last year, our teens have had a very different experience than probably many previous uh, generations. So I think their experience, while it's like ours in some ways as parents, um, it's unique as well with you know, current experiences of, of the pandemic and, and everything that's come along with that, um, as well as social media and just accessibility of information technology. Um, all of those things have really changed the climate for our young people today. I think it's a great point that it's not just remembering what it was like to be a teenager, because even, even if we do that, we don't know what it's like to be a teenager today, mm -hmm. um, but they do. And so we to try to understand that. So that brings us then into the, the Teen Speak program specifically, which is um, a program that is, as we talked about, is available for parents to participate in. And so first I'd like to know just, you know, what it is and how you, how you at the Department of Health decided this was a model that you wanted to adopt and take out into the community. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to think of Teen Speak not so much as a parenting class. I think there are a lot of parenting classes already out there. Um, it's more of a communication and a relationships class. That's the way that I think about it. Um, I am a, a friend of the developer, uh, Dr. Jennifer, Jennifer Salerno. She's a really amazing um, nurse practitioner researcher based in Michigan. Um, so I came across her program working with her several years ago and really wanted to find an opportunity to bring it here to Utah because I, I thought it was so amazing. Um, she, again, is, is a researcher, so she's very much about finding things that are scientifically proven, scientifically uh, you know, proven techniques and strategies that we can use, but she's also about um, creating things that are user-friendly, um, you know, very practical, real-world strategies and tools. As a parent of teens herself, she found um, you know, wanting, wanting that balance, having something that was, was science-based that, that we knew would work, um, but also felt practical as a parent. So we were able to recently in the last couple of years, bring Teen Speak to Utah through a grant 
um, from Utah State University's Center for Persons with Disabilities um, Interagency Outreach Training Initiative. That's kind of a mouthful. Um, so this program, um, we are making available to parents or caregivers or trusted adults of youth with special needs. So that population, I think, is, is broad. We can interpret special needs a, a lot of different ways. That could be um, youth with disabilities. It could be youth with an IEP um, through the schools. It could be youth with experiences of trauma or um, systems involved youth, systems of care. Um, so all of those youth um, and parents we want to be able to support through this program. I think really our goal is um, to help parents through this time. We know that parenting a teen can be really uh, challenging. It can feel really daunting. Communicating with them can sometimes feel impossible. So this is a strategy that we're, we're excited to, to have to help parents. Um, we want parents to feel like they have as much information, support, and guidance as they did when they were parents of a newborn. That's wonderful. And it sounds, and of course, you know, as we talked about, you know, kids in care, um, obviously are kids who are a very special needs population because of the separation from their families and whatever trauma brought, the, brought them into care. So thank you. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something um, not very fair. And that is to offer, because um, the, the program itself is, is it's for, you know, uh, in-person meetings and then seven modules online. There's also uh, printed materials to take advantage of. So it's, it's, a, it's a fair amount of information. So like I said, I'm going to be really unfair to you right now and just ask you to highlight uh, some of the tips and, and pointers that uh, really have stood out for you from this curriculum. Sure. So like you said, there is a lot of amazing information. Um, and I, the thing that I love about TeamSpeak, one of the things that makes it really user-friendly is a lot of the tips and strategies in the program are small things. Um, as parents, we might feel really overwhelmed, like we don't know where to start, we don't know what to do. Um, and I love this because it's not very big changes. Um, it's just small um, reframes or modifications in the way that we approach teams and the language that we use with them that can make a huge difference. So I think my very first tip that I would start out with is um, coming uh, approaching teams through what we would call a strength-based approach. I think so often, again, kind of like I talked about before, when we think about teams, we focus a lot on problems and we might talk about them in the context of, you know, this teen is so frustrating or they're so snarky. They have so much attitude. They're so emotional. They're dramatic. They're risky. They make dumb decisions, all of those things. And certainly those things can be true of our young people, but we a lot of the time forget about all of the possibility that they have. Um, I think it's a time um, of such great development. We know that the developmentally, the brain is so um, malleable and plastic at that stage of life. They're also, um, you know, taking on more ownership of their decisions and potentially forming habits that are going to be with them for the rest of of their life. So it's really an amazing window of opportunity that we have. And so thinking about it through that lens, you know, possibility, not, not problems. We know with teens that they're really going to live up or live down to our expectations. And so the words that we use can have a really powerful impact on them, whether for positive or negative. 
So along with that, as um, parents, um, caregivers, trusted adults in their lives, we can start by finding opportunities to identify and reflect on their strengths in our daily interactions. So that might sound something like, uh, wow, you really studied hard this semester and that shows in your grades. Um, so you're on your way to achieving, you know, whatever amazing goal that might be, you know, getting a scholarship, going to college, starting a business, whatever um, goals and hopes they have for themselves. Um, with that, you heard me use the word you. Um, we talk a lot about eye language and that certainly is um, important for other conversations, but in these types of interactions with teens, it's really powerful if we can use the word you rather than I. A lot of times we might say things like, oh, I'm so proud of you for getting good grades, or um, I think you are this, or I know you can do this. And it can be really powerful to shift that to you. Um, using statements like you have, you are, you feel, you believe. Um, and the reason we do that is it allows them to engage in more personal reflection. We know as they get older and they have more independence, more autonomy, we're not always going to be there by their side. And so to help them to start to think about things in terms of that, to put that kind of sense of value um, internally for them is really powerful. Uh, we can also use these kinds of strength statements to discuss problems or areas of concern. So um, an example might be maybe we, we know that there is a lot of underage alcohol use going on in our community or in their school, and we're concerned about that. And our typical approach as an adult might be to just springboard into this lecture, right, or give them these kind of like fear-based warnings saying something like, you know, if you get caught at a party with alcohol, you're going to get kicked off the sports team. You're not going to be able to play sports anymore. Um, and a strength-based statement might sound more like, you know, it's a fact your school does have a zero tolerance policy for parties and alcohol. And the strength part of this is going to sound like um, you are really good. You're, you worked really hard at whatever sport you're in, you know, football, swimming, dancing, whatever it might be. And you want to be captain of that team next year. So what is something that you could do if you find yourself in a situation where there's alcohol at a party? So that's just one example of, of how we might make that shift in our, our language. I think that's great. My, I definitely have the lecturing uh, problem. <laughs> talk I and think talk we and all talk. do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, along with that, my next tip would be to practice active listening and talk with not at teams. And um, like you said, we're so good at lecturing. I think we all kind of default to that as adults. Um, and it can cause a lot of frustration for our young people and over time may ultimately lead to them to, uh, to shut down and just stop listening, stop talking. So um, another example, we might be concerned about them wearing a seatbelt. Um, you know, if they're getting to the age where they're getting their driver's licenses and driving with friends, learning to drive themselves. So we might go off into this lecture again, like you should always wear a seatbelt, you know, car accidents are the leading cause of death for uh, people your age, you and your friends are new drivers, blah, 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 right? Um, and talking with them might sound more like, what are some reasons it's important to you to wear a seatbelt? So helping them to really, um, again, turn that back um, 
onto themselves and uh, thinking about um, what they care about, what they value, what's important to them. I think it's an interesting approach too, to think about instead of like trying to use our values to get them to do what we, what we think they should to really think about their values. And like you said earlier, you know, that our, one of our goals is that reflective thinking mm-hmm. and for them to start thinking about their values and what, yeah. what really is important to them. And I think that's a really uh, important lifelong skill for them. Yeah, absolutely. Helping them to engage in that self-reflection, to learn how to do that, to recognize emotions, to recognize values. Um, I think it makes it more personalized for them. They, they care more about it. It's something that they remember. It, it has a greater impact when we, when we set up the conversation that way. Um, I think of it as just learning to speak their language, um, speaking in a way that they understand and that they'll respond to. Third one is to use open-ended statements. So we tend to use a lot of close-ended yes-no questions, um, especially when we're working with teens. And these can really lead us smack into a brick wall for a conversation with a young person. I think we do this um, all the time with people of different ages, even even with each other as as adult peers and and with our partners, you know, coming home and saying something like, hey, how was your day? And, you know, for a lot of people, that's just going to get a, uh, it was okay. For a teen, you might not even get a word. You might just get like a uh, uh, grunt. They just make noises. Um, but you think about how it changes when we open it up with something that's open-ended, like tell me about your day. Um, so we can really think intentionally about using those open, open-ended questions um, that start with who, what, when, where, how. Um, we want to actually avoid why questions. Even though that's technically open-ended, it can often carry a lot of unintended overtones um, of criticism. So we want to avoid why questions. You think about like the way that's phrased um, for all of us, it can come across as kind of non-judgmental or, or, or critical. I, I did uh, my master's degrees in communication, and that was one of uh, the things we talked about quite a bit. And I had a professor that says, never ask why, but it's okay to ask how come. <laughs> <laughs> because exactly. that why does elicit yeah. sort of a defensive uh, response. Um, exactly. but, but even just a little word can make such a big difference. Exactly. And it may lead to the same goal, to the same type of conversation, but uh, the listener, the other person in the conversation is going to respond differently just with a change in one word, right? It's really powerful. Um, another thing that is, is big for teens um, is asking for permission. Um, or letting them have some control, some autonomy of, of conversations or of, of situations. I think one of the greatest reasons um, or, or causes of conflict between adults and teens is that they often feel powerless. Um, so if we can allow them to feel a sense of control in our relationships and our conversations, then they tend to respond more positively. So uh, we might have like something serious that we need to speak with them about. And we, we come to them and say, Hey, we need to talk. I think for anyone, right. That kind of puts us on the defense. Like, Oh no, what did I do? What's, what's coming. So instead saying something like, um, I, I have some things I want to talk about. One would be a good time for us to sit down and talk and, and really leaving it up to them, giving them some control, giving them um, autonomy and ownership of, of that conversation and that uh, interaction. That's great. We one of the things we talk about uh, quite a bit with trauma informed approaches is is autonomy and how the research is very clear that people who've been through trauma, um, the more autonomy they have, 
um, obviously within appropriate bounds, um, the, the sooner they recover from their trauma. So that, how important it is to, to give, give power and give control where we can. Absolutely. And I, I kind of forgotten to mention that before. Um, we see these things with, with teens in any circumstances, any, any background, but, um, like you said, with, with those special needs, youth, youth with a history of trauma or youth in systems of care, um, these can be even more powerful strategies. They, they need that even more to, you know, have those, um, authentic connections and have those trusted adults. They feel like they can go to and, and have positive relationships and positive conversations. I think my, my last, um, tip I would give is, um, reflecting and affirming teens thoughts, feelings, and experiences that we talked about. We don't always understand exactly what they're going through and that's okay. Sometimes they don't even respond. Well, if we say, Oh, I, I know when I was a teen, I felt this way, or I did this because they might think like, you're old, you don't understand my experience. But if we can show them that we're listening, that we're trying to understand, um, we're reflecting those experiences or those feelings back to them, then they feel more heard. They feel more understood. Um, and, and I think that's a common, common complaint with teens is they feel like no one listens to them or no one understands their experience. So an example might be, you know, we're, we're more, um, tuned into how they're feeling and we pay attention to their body language and, and their expressions. Maybe even if they're not talking and expressing those feelings, we can recognize that, um, you're feeling really sad right now, or, um, maybe digging a little bit deeper into feelings behind their words. We might hear something from a team like, Oh, I'm so tired of everyone telling me what to do. And so we can reflect back um, using those you words saying um, you're ready to take more responsibility for things in your life. Um, so trying to, to think about the meaning behind those words that they say. Um, with those reflections, we have to be careful of um, using kind of an even tone of voice, not sounding sarcastic or framing it as a question, um, because I think that that can come off as, as defensive again, if we're staying sarcastically like, oh boy, you're ready to take more responsibility for things, even though we think they really might not be, but um, genuinely reflecting that back and um, reflecting those strengths that we know that they have and helping them to recognize those things in themselves. Great. And I think one, one thing I've seen with, that stresses a lot of parents is they feel like they have to figure out what's going on with their kid. And I think, why don't we ask them more, sure. you know, and really just open that conversation. And it, I think it takes a lot of pressure off of the parent mm -hmm. to get, you know, good information. And that then helps to figure out, okay, what are our next steps going to be determining, determined on what the child is experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the fears with those reflections is from parents is what if I get it wrong? What if that's not what they're feeling at all? And I think my response would be, well, they're going to tell you, right? Most young people will react uh, very strongly to that and say, no, that's not the way that I feel. But then that might open up a conversation. Well, tell me more about this um, and, and allow um, an opening for, for more of a conversation. I think that's great advice to trust that they will tell us um, when we get it wrong and then to listen um, and believe them if we, if we have gotten it wrong or gotten it right. So I think these are all amazing tips and I know that there's so much more um, in the actual program. So I'd love to um, hear a little bit more about how 
um, families can access the information, how they can get more information, um, learn about the program more and, and uh, participate in it. Yes, absolutely. So um, if someone is interested in learning more about the program, um, they can visit our website. It's fyo.utah.gov. That stands for Family Youth Outreach. Um, uh, they can also reach out to um, all of you folks and, and get more information about the program. Um, there are kind of four different components. Um, if, if someone participates or registers for the program, um, they'll get a physical copy of a book. And um, this is a book written by Dr. Jennifer Salerno. It contains all of the tips that we've discussed as well as um, many, many more tips and strategies that parents can use. Um, it will come with a workbook as well. So the book has like all of, all of the learning, all of the strategies. And then the workbook allows um, a participant or a parent, a trusted adult to really put those strategies into practice. So to start to think about real world experiences that they're having to think about um, doing some kind of role play practice and also opportunities for self-reflection to help them figure out what techniques are um, best going to match their personal style. And um, like I said, this isn't a, a parenting class. We know people have a lot of different ways of, of parenting and, and different styles. So the goal of TeamSpeak is really to help parents um, and support them in the conversations regardless of, of the personal style that they have. Um, along with those, we have a seven module self-paced online um, experience that parents can participate in. And that just um, gives even more hands-on practice and, and more information. And then the fourth thing is we have um, classes that we offer. So there are small group classes with parents and other uh, professionals, other trusted adults um, who work with young people. And in those sessions, we offer hands-on coaching and support um, with the principles that folks have learned um, reading the book and going through the online learning, model, learning modules. Um, it gives people a chance to practice more with their peers um, and receive support from other parents and experienced uh, professionals. We had a couple of uh, series of the Teen Speak this, I think late, late winter, early spring. And I think we had about, about a dozen families go through it um, here in, in Utah and they loved it. I just, they were just over the moon at, about the information and they, they raved about it. So um, we have, uh, we already know that this is great information. It's, I mean, it sounds great, but we already know it's great because we've had families go through the program and, and absolutely love it. So we'll make sure um, on the episode page that we have links to your website um, as those classes, you guys schedule those classes, we'll make sure um, that we post those on all of the, uh, we have regional uh, Facebook support groups for the foster families, and we'll make sure that we post uh, notice of those classes so folks can sign up that way. And then just, uh, this is sort of like kind of, um, you know, a lingo for the field, but for foster parents who take these classes, it does count as your in-service training credit as well. So this has been approved by, by DCFS. And so Elizabeth, you probably know that families, as they renew their licenses every year, they have to have a certain number of training hours and teen speak does count as part of those training hours. So we like to make sure families families know that. So they're getting, getting double bang for their buck, not only great information, but also training credit. Anything final you'd like to, to share with us before we, we wrap up for our, for today? Yes. So I was going to mention, um, you talked about that, uh, 
educational credit, which is an amazing incentive. We also have some little prizes incentives. They're, they're a secret, a little teaser for, for people, but we do have some incentives other than, you know, getting all of the, the information and um, the books and, and resources. We do have um, some prizes for participants um, who join our classes. Wonderful. little extra encouragement is always, exactly. is always nice. Yeah, our families love that. Well, thank you, Elizabeth Gerke, for joining us today from, from the Department of Health. And uh, we will make sure all this information is available. So families, after this, as you're listening to the episode, obviously it's been, it's been released because you're listening to it. Um, but that episode page, um, know that we'll have all that information on there and then watch the Facebook groups. And we will be posting um, ongoing information about the, the Teen Speak classes as they come up. So thank you everybody for listening today. Um, when after you've listened for in-service training credit, go ahead and uh, you know the in-service training forms that you you go to that link and you fill out the form about the three things that you learned from today's podcast. And we'll give you credit, half an hour credit for listening to the podcast. And then also once you go to the TeamSeek program, um, we'll make sure we get you credit for that too. So thank you uh, so much, Elizabeth. We're grateful for your time today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care. Thank you for joining us. For more information, go to utahfostercare.org. We'll see you next time.